ask you a question. <laughs> Always. What is this jpl.nasa.gov slash edu slash learn slash video slash dancing dash Uranus? The the gist of it is that the planet Uranus uh, just kind of rotates on its side like a big idiot. Yeah, uh, so that's what I had to share with the class today. That's really great. I feel like I had an update on one of our topics. Oh, really? But I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was a dream. Mm. That's fair. I, To be fair, I had a dream last night uh, that I was going to have to do this show today with the, this girl that I went to college with. Like, for some reason, you weren't going to be here, and she was the ringer that we brought in, <laughs> and I don't know why, because I haven't talked to her since we graduated, but... Well, she's not here. Sorry. Yeah. So, this is Me Cute, mm-hmm. where we dissect everyone's dreams. Mm-hmm. Send now, us your dreams. Until eternity. We'll interpret them. Please send us your dreams. We'll that would them. be a good podcast. I would listen to that podcast. That would be really cool, actually. Send us your dreams and we'll dissect them. Yeah, send us your dreams and like 10 bucks each and we'll start a and new we'll, podcast. We'll start a new podcast, yeah. We need $10. Yeah. We'll put it on Kickstarter. I'm Lauren. Uh, uh, do you have anything else for that or just? Um, no, I have nothing else today. Okay. That's it. Um, just Lauren. I'm Lee, and I have a lot. Okay, share else. something. Um, did you know that Uranus rotates on its side? <laughs> its axis is almost perpendicular. <laughs> Which, I, like, relative to what? Like, there's no up and down in space. Okay, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I I had a question. I asked my friend Brandon about this when we were at the space thing at the Buffalo Science Museum. I was like... The plane of our solar system, our solar system exists in a plane, right? Yes. Like yeah. all of them rotate around on the same plane. And mm-hmm. I was like, why does that happen? Are all solar systems like this? And he's like, yes, because the way that the bodies move around, you know, the star or whatever's at the center of each solar system, mm-hmm. they tend to collide with things or their orbits start to average out to an average orbit. So, like, you can use that to tell how old a solar system is, which is really, really cool. So, like, if you you see a solar system where everything's not in the same plane, you know it's a relatively, like, younger solar system. Yeah. Whereas if everything's in one plane, it's an older solar system. That's wild. So, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. So, we're not talking about space today, though. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Um, but we are no. going to be talking about Beatrix Potter. We are indeed. Which is also, I would argue, very, very cool. She's a very, very cool person. Yeah. She's rad as hell. I have a little bit of background if you want me to jump in. Sure. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, cool. Um, So, Beatrix Potter. Uh, I did not look. I I didn't look up her birthday. Praise be. Um, yeah, praise be. Um, she was around in mid to late 1800s, uh, last half of the 19th or first half of the 20th. 
roughly. Um, she never went to school, which is a fun fact about her. Hmm. Uh, she was taught predominantly by governesses, which, I mean, she came from a wealthy family, so, like, that was an option for mm-hmm. her. Like, she had art teachers that came in because she was interested in illustration from a young age. Right. And she was educated in the way that, like, rich English children were educated. Um right. But... Something that I thought was interesting that has kind of continued to crop up as I continue to research Beatrix Potter was there's this double standard of education at this mm-hmm. time period where women are not allowed to be academics. They can't be like educated, but they're the ones who are doing the educating. Mm-hmm. So like governesses were women. Um, I think almost exclusively. I don't know that there were any men um, because they would teach up until what we would consider to be like the end of grade school Mm -hmm. now, you know, like after you finish your studies with these governesses, that was when you would go on to university and you would go on to like have a specific area of study. Mm -hmm. So women can't pass that barrier but they're the ones who are making that system possible and it's because it's nurturing work you Mm -hmm. know teaching children is considered to be like a nurturing thing it's not so much about the education of it it's about the fact that you're working with children Mm -hmm. um and that brings me into one of the reasons i think beatrix potter was encouraged from a young age to be a scientist by a society that like essentially refused later in life to take her seriously as one and like she really was encouraged like they brought like her parents she had wealth she had wealthy parents and they i'll get into it in a minute too they were like pretty conservative people like in the Mm -hmm. sense of being like adhering to society's society's norms um Mm -hmm. she was encouraged as a kid because her interest was in the natural world it was in like plants and fungi and animals and she wanted to draw them Mm -hmm. which are all just barely like feminine enough Mm -hmm. for a young girl to be interested in them and to have that interest nurtured so Beatrix Potter was an artist first just chronologically speaking like she got very into drawing at a young age and specifically into drawing again components of the natural world which led to scientific illustration at the encouragement of scottish naturalist charles mackintosh um so he was basically like hey like you're good at this and you're interested in it why not get more technical Mm -hmm. and why not sort of study the anatomy of Mm -hmm. mushrooms and of plants and draw them from a technical perspective and that was what kind of led her into the research that she Mm. did on mycology um like that was that time period in her life um she did a wide variety of illustration work like she made greeting cards along with her scientific illustration and her children's books and um she (laughs) i i keep reading you weird quotes that i find in the things that i'm looking at juice Um, please share but here's yeah here's one more um this one is about her love life Mm. uh 
In addition to commercial success, Beatrix also found a suitor in the form of her editor at the publishing house, Norman Warren. Although chaperoned, a relationship Mm. between the two blossomed, but his proposal was opposed by Beatrix parents as he worked in trade. Despite this, Beatrix became... Yeah, I know, right? Um, Despite this, Beatrix became engaged to Norman in 1905, but was devastated when he died of leukemia just a month later. Thank you for getting closer to the microphone with your mouth wide open. (laughs) To express it more clearly. Honestly, I was like, that's so depressing. Like, that sucks so hard. But also, that's so funny. So sad. Like, it's been over a hundred years. I think, I don't think it's too soon. I think we can laugh at it. Uh, Also, she's dead now, too, and she got married later. Okay. And, like, she's fine. Um, yeah, like literally a month after they got engaged, oh he ate it. Moving on. Uh, she too was bad really she adept- didn't study cancer. That's too masculine, though, actually. Yeah, too bad she wasn't... Born a man. Yeah, tale as old as time. Uh, <laughs> so-, <laughs> so she was a really adept business person as well. Nice. Um, she got a patent for Peter Rabbit in 1903. Uh which makes him the world's oldest licensed literary character. Wow. Is he in the yeah. public domain now then? I don't know. He might be. I found an article called uh-huh. The Tale of One Bunny, Copyright Statements and Public Domain. <sighs> from, it's and from, the murder it's from- most foul. I mean, I think that it depends on it's because she died in the 40s mm-hmm. um, and public domain. The the clock basically starts on the death of the creator okay. of the work. Right. Um, in the simple cases. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's um, anyway, I think intellectual property law would be a really interesting. episode. Yeah, I'll put it down. Cool. Because I have a lot of opinions about it. Uh, Bonus episode. Yeah. Learn our opinions. <laughs> Spoiler, they're uh, not great. Nope. Where were we? I'm sorry. This is oh. been... Oh, yeah, that's... I was talking. You were talking. I, forgot. <laughs> I, I completely forgot. Very far. Um, sorry, I'm reading about the public domain now. Uh, Fascinating, huh? Yeah. Um. There's my notes. Okay. Uh. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of at the point anyways where I'm wrapping up Mm -hmm. my whole little tiny thesis for this week, Mm -hmm. um, which is that I was reading all this stuff and I was like, okay, this is all very interesting. She's a very, very interesting person. But what's my angle? Like, what am I? What? Yeah. What is your angle? What is my angle? Like, what? Like, I'm looking at all of this information and I'm like, this is fascinating. She's so cool. But... Really, like, there's two different images of Beatrix Potter, and they contrast each other. The first being Beatrix Potter, the spurned scientist, Mm -hmm. and the second being Beatrix Potter, the woman who wrote Peter Rabbit and was also interested in the natural world. Mm -hmm. And both of those images exist in service of a narrative, in service of two separate narratives. Beatrix Potter, as someone who should have been a scientist but was not allowed to be, 
is a very common sort of like feminist take about the untapped potential of women. Mm-hmm. But I think that it kind of discounts the achievements that she did have in her lifetime, scientific right. and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the other image of her as predominantly a children's book author, that's the business side of it. You know, that's a very capitalist look at Beatrix mm-hmm. Potter in kind of a weird way. Yeah. Um, and I, in a way that I don't think that she would disapprove of, you know, right. because she was a very shrewd business person. Mm-hmm. But the image of her as a matronly farmer who loved botany and animals is a great face for a children's book empire. Right. Which is what, you know, this has grown into and what Mm -hmm. her work has grown into. And the more I read about Beatrix Potter, it seems like neither of those really fit because she, it seemed like she was a pretty fulfilled human being. You know, a renaissance woman. Yeah. And like she had a farm. She raised prize winning sheep. Mm -hmm. She was Mm -hmm. the happiest, apparently, when she was with her sheep, which like who wouldn't be? That's the image. Um, That's the narrative I want to paint of her. And mostly the thing that I ended up being like, where's where's the disconnect between these? Like, Mm -hmm. why do these two separate images exist? And it seems to be something that we've run into a little bit on the show before which is the inability to reconcile that art and science are identical snaps they're the they're the same thing yeah they're different products of the same instinct right and they can can exist simultaneously yeah yeah in the same person so i don't like that was kind of where i ended up is i was like people really want to look at her in one of two ways as either someone who couldn't be a scientist and so did other things or as someone who was an artist who was also interested in science and whose work was augmented by science and neither of those is true because she did scientific illustrations yeah but she also wrote books but she also did legitimate research yeah you know that people still refer Mm -hmm. to her research into mushroom spores and the reproduction of mushrooms and fungi. So like I I don't I don't understand how those two like the like if those it, are two different people. I feel like that's a really modern narrative to have that like mm-hmm. art and science can't coexist. And I think that might stem from like capitalism and being like You'll get paid yeah. if you go into science, but you won't get paid right. if you go into art. So people right. don't see the value in being able to do both and being able to understand both and how they mm-hmm. interact with each other. Um, yeah. And that's what we're trying to do here on Meet Cute. Yeah. Yeah. That's our whole goal. Um, and it's a really cool space to, to look into and to explore and, and talk about, I think. Right. Yeah. When I was at college, I, I remember... Okay, when I was in high school, I was like, oh, I can't wait to go to college and just, like, do, like, science stuff. Like, that'll be really cool. But then when mm-hmm. I got to college and, and later years in college, I was like, I really miss the creative side. I really right. miss, like, creating things and, like, I don't know, just, just flexing that side of my brain and yeah. and just thinking about things and trying to understand them rather than just, here's a problem, let's solve it. Like. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I feel like everyone has it in them to understand both. Maybe, you know, you're more adept at one or the other, but I don't know. I think we're, uh, as a society, we're selling ourselves short by dividing them Mm -hmm. rather than bridging the gap between them. Art and science are the same thing. So this is me, cute. cute. Yeah. (laughs) Art and science are the same thing. Yeah, that's a good spot, I think, to do the intro is to just throw it in right after I (laughs) talk for 15 to 20 minutes. (laughs) Can you put the theme music in here again? Just a little snippet. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, So, yeah, maybe I should have gone second. This is a good... (laughs) I'm going to just say a whole bunch of garbage and then it'll be the end. that's, that's fine. Okay, what else is new? So with me, no, or me, with me just Potter. spousing garbage oh. Oh. out of my mouth. That's all this show is. That's all either of us I do. Know. I know. So I, from my perspective, I had no idea that Beatrix Potter was so into science, which yeah. is like really cool. I wasn't a, like huge into Peter Rabbit when I was a kid. I don't know why. It was just never a book that I read. Um, so I knew who she was, but not really like her, the scientist in her, the science side of her. Mm-hmm. And I found a little bit about, you know, how she's into mycology, which is the study of fungi and how she's mm-hmm. pretty into how fungi reproduce. So that's kind yeah. of where I started my research mm-hmm. and I learned a lot, which was cool. Yes. So some fungi, about a third can use more than one type of reproduction, whether it's asexual reproduction, sexual reproduction, spore dispersal, or other miscellaneous types. They can use more than mm-hmm. one of them throughout their lifetime. Oh. Um, so, for example, there's one type of fungi that has two defined stages of their life, the telomorph stage, where sexual reproduction occurs, and the anamorph stage, where asexual reproduction occurs. Where they turn into dogs and birds and stuff. You remember those books? I do. <laughs> and they had the flip. That was awesome. <laughs> the holographic covers are my favorite. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. They do that. Um, mm-hmm. So different, in different types of fungi, environmental conditions can trigger which developmental state they're going to be in whether it's sexual reproduction or asexual reproduction or spore dispersal um so it kind of depends on the atmosphere that they're in they're not chronological it's more Um, just it depends on the type of fungi so okay some of them have like super well-defined stages like for the first like i don't know quarter of their life they're going to be going through sexual reproduction and then Mm -hmm. the last quarter of their life they're doing asexual something like that um Mm -hmm. But then others, it is dependent on what's happening in the environment. Okay. So asexual reproduction is, as a whole, is a type of reproduction um, that the offspring of an organism is made only from the genetic material of one parent, not Mm -hmm. from two. So that the offspring is genetically identical to the parent. So in fungi, this occurs using vegetative spores, which are called canidia, or through mycelial fragmentation. Oh, I think that might have been what 
my throwback was to a past oh, episode the, with Meisler Water. Right, because I think they have this a similar structure. See, this is I feel Everything like I is asked connected. This. I feel like I, I think asked you did this. and I was like, "Haha, I was lol. Like, you said like silly." Like mycology and you were like, "No." <laughs> I'm still not sure though cuz my cellular water is M I C E L L, and this is M Y C E L, but it might be similar. Right, it might be a play off of it. So my cellular frag, it's not meat cute verified yet. <laughs> Does not have a blue check mark next to it. Nope, nope, not yet. Please write to us. Nobody mm-hmm. writes to us, so please, if you know something, <laughs> please write to us. We just want human interaction, and this is the only way we can get it crying please so mycelial fragmentation occurs when the parent organism breaks apart to give way to their offspring so one example of it that i thought of was like spider plants okay Um, which ironically i did just (laughs) repot four little baby spider plants um so individually they are their own plants but they're identical to genetically to their parent plant yeah um, so that's how fungi work too. Yes. The benefit of this type of reproduction is it allows for clonal populations in really specific areas that that particular fungi is well adapted to. Uh-huh. And it allows them to reproduce more quickly. Okay. Um, so that's why some fungi would undergo this type of reproduction. And some fungi only undergo this type of reproduction. Mm-hmm. And not the other types. Mm-hmm. So sexual reproduction, nice, nice, um, uses meiosis and has. Let me back up. So it uses meiosis, which is basically, um, a cell is created that has half of the genetic material of one parent from two parents. Two parents mm-hmm. create these half cells, and then those are recombined. To create one Hot. whole cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this type of reproduction has been observed in all fungi phyla, which is like a class of fungi, except mm-hmm. the glomermycota phyla. Oh. In case you were wondering. That one. That one. My old, The old standby. <laughs> Friend of the show. <laughs> um, but in fungi, it does use very different processes than the same in animals and plants. So it is similar in that these half cells are created and then recombined. Mm -hmm. But the process that they're created by and the way that they're recombined is crazy. And I tried to read it and there's so many like just very specific like trade terms basically that I Mm, just didn't understand. I was like, "Uh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, So rather than just barf that up, um, Mm. I I decided not to. But but it's similar, similar but Mm -hmm. also different, very different than animals and plants. Right. Right. Um, Major fungal groupings of different funguses are Mm. based on the morphology of their reproductive structures. So basically, what their reproductive structures look like. Uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of funguses look very different. So how do you classify them, right? 
Um, right, yeah. So they basically classify them by how they reproduce. Hmm. Um, and fungi... That's one way of doing it. <laughs> uh, fungi reproduce using two different mating systems. Heterotholic, mm-hmm. which allows for mating between only between individuals of the opposite mating type. Mm-hmm. Which I tried to figure out what opposite mating type means for fungi. Right. Um, but I couldn't really... It's it's not like there's analogous structures in humans or plants that would be right. mating types. Yeah. Um, but the other type is homothallic, which they can reproduce with. Nice. Yeah. With any other individual <laughs> or themselves. And it's something I found interesting about ones that undergo sexual reproduction is that most of them have a haploid and a diploid stage of their lives. So mm-hmm. periods where they have half the number of chromosomes in their reproductive cells and the full number of chromosomes in their reproductive cells. So that kind of goes hand in hand with what I said before about them going through different stages of their lives and being able to reproduce differently. Yeah. So the most iconic type of reproduction Mm. in fungi is the spore dispersal. Yes. We've talked about... Yes. mold spores before on the show we did I don't think about this fungi. episode i'm telling you is bringing everything mm-hmm. together yeah this is it we've peaked we're done yeah thanks for listening bye mm-hmm. so something that i learned that was interesting is that fungi can release both asexual and sexual reproducing spores okay um so they can release spores that have all of their chromosomes that are identical to themselves or they can release spores that have half of the chromosomes that they need so then they can recombine. Yeah. Um, something that I <laughs> thought was funny is that they are, release them by, quote, forcible ejection from their reproductive structures. <laughs> which, same. <laughs> um, and that just in- ensures that they leave the structure and that they go far away, basically, from Mm -hmm. their parent structure. Yes. So some examples of how they can be ejected Mm. and dispersed are some funguses use substances that cause the cells to swell, and then they eventually burst, Mm -hmm. and that action forces the spores out of the fungi. Mm -hmm. Um, Some fungi use have single spores that are ejected using a small drop of water, Which, when touching the spore, I think because it's hydrophobic, the spore doesn't absorb the water. It repels the water, in a sense. It causes the spore to be released with an initial acceleration of 10,000 G, which is 10,000 times the acceleration of gravity. Uh Uh-huh. But it only travels 0.01 to 0.02 of a centimeter. Oh, and that's so sad. My friend Brandon <laughs> ran the numbers to see if uh-huh. you would feel it, if you could feel the four spore being ejected uh-huh. at that kind of acceleration. Yeah. And his numbers stated that, in fact, you could not feel this spore being ejected. So Aww. it's like a crazy, crazy like initial acceleration, but they're so tiny that they just don't move anywhere. Right. That's wild Mm -hmm. because that's so much force. It's crazy. Like that's an insane amount of force. Like humans can barely withstand like what? Like 
like 5G. 4G. Yeah. Yeah. LTE. Four, yeah, I was going to say 5G LTE. Uh, we could do a whole episode on that, too. We could do an episode on the conspiracy theories that I have that no one else has. Uh, this is Lee's conspiracy <laughs> corner. Um, 4G and 5G and 3G don't mean anything. No. And that's something like, else. There's no way they're quantified. It 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 basically means generation, but like of what? Of the cell service. So like this is something like, that I ran I... into at work too. Like they talk about like fifth generation fighters or fifth generation like oxygen systems. And mm. I, I don't really like it doesn't really mean anything, but it's just like ways to subset systems i guess right it doesn't mean anything unless you know what it means right oh 4g lte that means nothing but like it's the fourth generation of cell service like that's fine like like how is that a selling point like it's like the iphone 4 versus the iphone 5 like like it's like that distinction but even that makes more sense to me right because you can because i feel like for like i think it was 3g first of all they started with three i've never that, in my yeah, life that was the seen first one, one that or had 2G. internet right i don't know but it was just like this phrase that i started hearing one day and everybody was like ah that's the good stuff yeah 3G. yeah and i was like what are you talking about Same. what is that thank you and we've all just been going along with it for like eight years now and just collectively like we're all it's the emperor's new clothes <laughs> and we're all the jester and uh-huh, uh-huh. i'm so mad about it <laughs> all the time it's on the episode list okay but it is at um, the bottom of the episode list Okay, another thing I'm mad about real quick yes. before we move on. Uh, there's this sign that I drive past every day on my way to work. And on one side, and it's not even, it's like a billboard, but it's like one of the ones that like you just stick the letters in and that's it. And on one mm-hmm. side, it's an advertisement for Papa John's and their $1 pizza on Tuesday, their racist pizza. Mm, and yum. then on the other side, it just says with absolutely no context, no like name of an organization, no nothing, just three lines of text he is up he is out he is still about and i don't know what it means (laughs) and i think about it constantly (laughs) anyway have you ever seen that's that's what's on my mind have you ever seen a puffball fungi i think so they're the ones that you like tap and like little puffs of spores come out I don't think I've tapped one personally. I have a video of me doing it, but mm. you can Google it. Look of it up. You tapping fungi. Tapping that. Yeah. Um, so those and, and other similar fungi use that method to disperse mm-hmm. their spores. So the external forces coming by and puffing it out. Um, mm. Bird's nest fungi specifically uses falling water to release the spores from a cup shaped structure so, like, the spores are within the cup, and the water comes and hits hits the bottom mm-hmm. of the cup and forces the spores out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where the Frank Lloyd Wright house yes, name came yes, from. Yes, exactly. Fun fact. Yes. We can't, we have to stop saying facts that aren't <laughs> that true. That aren't true. <laughs> Brian yeah. said that that was one thing he didn't like about the first episode. 
He's mm. like, I think that you're saying facts wrong. Facts are subjective. But anyway, fungi like stink horns use colors and I wrote, I wrote Same. stanks. <laughs> colors and stanks to attract bugs that disperse the spores. Mm, that's fun. Um, some produce hydrophobic spores that don't absorb water that are easily dispersed by rain. Oh, and smart. a lot of them still do use the forces of wind to blow spores around to disperse them. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. I do have some miscellaneous that processes sense? that aren't I love miscellaneous spores, processes. sexual or asexual reproduction. Mm-hmm. So fungi in the penicillum and aspergillus genera. So mm-hmm. families of fungi share genetic material through what's called parasexual processes, which means that they don't undergo meiosis, so they don't create okay. those half cells. Right. Um, but they still reproduce sexually, which still allows for their genes to be recombined with another organism's genes, even though they don't make those half cells. Oh, okay. So it's like sexual reproduction, but they don't create half cells. And I mm-hmm. I tried to read how it happens, but it was still just, it was way too much. So I moved on. Right. Yeah. But I thought that was really interesting. Like, I don't think that that is seen in animals or plants, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anywhere else. So. Yeah. No, that's not something that I have seen in my limited travels anywhere else, like under any other yeah so anyway that's what i learned today or yeah a few days ago yeah that was really cool makes like me want to go um what's it called when you collect mushrooms brian What's it called when you when you go hunting for mushrooms? Foraging. Mm. That's what. Thank you. I should have known that. There's yeah. this one type of fungus. They have their naming has racist roots, but they're called Indian pipes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like they're kind of creepy looking. They're like translucent, almost. They don't have any okay. color to them, but they're like white and translucent. Um, yeah. And they grow in like little pockets out of the ground. And I remember seeing them when I worked at summer camp and I was like, what's the deal with these? Are these like bad? Um, but it turns out that they only grow in areas that the soil has like really good um, composition of nutrients. So they're actually oh, like when you see them, you can be like, oh, this is a really well balanced forest. This forest has like a really healthy soil. Right. Yeah. I don't know what they're used for, what their point is, but they're pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love mushrooms. I think mushrooms are very cool. Do you like to eat mushrooms? Uh, I do now. Good. More so than I did as a child. I think my mom always used to get the white mushrooms, mm. and they always just look nasty to me. Yeah. They look but harder than good... the other mushrooms. Yeah. I love a good baby bella. I love a mm. good portobello steak. Mm. I mean, I have no choice now because I'm a vegetarian yeah. and I have to survive, but 
I, I've grown to love them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. Do you like mushrooms? I do. I do like eating them. They're very tasty. Good. Yeah, thank you to She's a Spy uh, for our theme song that we have on our show. It's very good. You can find her on Spotify uh, by searching She's a Spy. And uh, she also has a new EP that is coming out next month on June 14th. Um, I have heard it. It's very, very good. Um, I'm very, very excited to he- for everybody to hear it. Uh, and if you would like to hear it, it's called Pink Noise. Um, if you'd like to hear it before June 14th, um, if you go on their Twitter, twitter.com forward slash she's a spy, uh, the link in their bio right now uh, is to a website where you can buy a ticket to Femania 2019 in Binghamton at Cyber Cafe West. Um, you For $10, you can get a ticket to that event coming up on June 21st. Um, and you also get a CD of their new EP. Uh, I received mine in the mail last week. It's very, very good. If you want to hear it before it comes out on Spotify and other streaming platforms, that's a good way to do it. And it's also a good way to support local artists. I'm literally um, buying it right now. Nice. You can find us also on Twitter at MeetCutest. And you can also visit our website, MeetCutest.com. You can. Please email us with anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, yeah. what's up? Uh, hey, your research is wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, I have a topic idea for you. Yeah. Uh, if you want to send us topics, too, you can do that, that would be on really Twitter. Cool. Uh, we are going to be following the hashtag TweetCute. Oh, yeah, we did We did start that. We did say we, in our We've started that, that in the future. <laughs> we started that in August with the yeah. episode we um, recorded last week. That's coming yeah, out in but, August. But yes, please use the spoilers. hashtag TweetCute or tweet directly at us, at MeetCutist, yes. and email us, hello at MeetCutist.com. Yes. Uh, if you enjoyed the time you spent with us today learning about Beatrix Potter, um, you can find more of what we've done My here girl. on our iTunes uh, by searching MeetCute or on Spotify also by searching MeetCute. Um, If you wanted to rate and review the show as well on iTunes, that is an option that you have available to you, and it would be chill of you to do that, Um, because apparently it helps us out, I'm told, by other people who do this. So do that, and we'll love you. I'm looking to see if we have any new... I don't think we do. We do have four ratings now, though. We used to only have oh. three. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Thanks to our whoever our new raider is. We love and support you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it with all of our heart. Our mm-hmm. collective should, heart. Our collective heart. We should maybe be nice to the people yeah. to listen to our show. Hey, is a thing I realized recently. Dear everyone that listens, we really do love and support you. Yeah, and we do appreciate we it. We do appreciate and it. It's I, very cool. I lack the ability to sound sincere about anything um, because of the timber of my voice. The timber. But the it's timber going down. Of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's be nice. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, everyone, for listening. Thanks. Thanks. We love you. We'll it be right. really does mean a lot. It really does mean because a lot. Because I spend a lot of time doing this that's true and also does that is true and we have limited time with which to do things because we're 
big boys now yeah. and we use pull-ups this is a thing yeah this is <laughs> we do this is a thing that we enjoy doing <laughs> yes i think that's good to note that we do yes. appreciate people listening we appreciate people telling other people about the show yeah and sharing it no definitely and caring about it yeah yeah, I think that this is a very shareable show. We try and keep it family friendly. Um, yeah. I have a cousin who is not yet a teenager. Congratulations! Who listens to the show? My mom listens. Just so yeah, just so you know, mom mom friendly show, friend, mom friendly show, tween friendly show, um, maybe a teen friendly show. I don't know. What are teens into? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Someone write in and please tell us what teens are into these days. Maybe we'll do an ep about could, it. We could do an episode on teens. Teens, tweens, and automobiles. It's <laughs> very good. <laughs> we'll be righteous back next week. On that note, I think that's a good one to end off. <laughs>